0: Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at
1: wscc.in. Thank you always. Such a blessing, such an honor to minister God's word. Uh, so This morning, I have you know this really big thing to talk about that uh, when I... You know, heard that, or I sensed in my heart that grace was what I needed to be talking about today. And I sat to prepare and I felt like I was in the, you know, before this great mountain that I am supposed to, you know, comprehend and bring it out in 45 minutes. So, pretty big challenge here. Uh, so, I'm, this is not a comprehensive message on grace. Because grace is, you know, it's like some of those words that, though they're small words, though they're used so often, they're really hard to describe. Yeah, love is one of them, right? Uh, you can say love to a child, uh, and they can be, you know, they can equate it to loving ice cream or chocolate or their puppy. Uh, but you know, as you grow on, go on in life, and you you go through different experiences that. Love is so much more than that. And it's so hard to describe with just the words we have what love really is. And it is only someone who has experienced it or who's walked in it that can grasp it, right? So I'm praying that, uh, you know, just like that, grace is a word like that. Uh, it's, it's something you must taste for yourself and you must experience it if you were to really understand What grace is all about. So I pray that as you listen, you know my words would just carry God's anointing into your hearts to open your minds up to understand this amazing grace. Uh, You know the grace is important for us to know about. You know it's not just one of those things that you can uh, just, you know, it's it's an option whether I understand it or not, because grace is a foundation of the Christian faith. If you don't get grace, you actually haven't understood what we are actually doing here. You haven't understood what the foundational doctrine of our faith is because it all stands on grace. Okay, And because of poor understanding of grace, there have been a lot of doctrines that have swayed this way or that way. From hyper-grace to legalism. And not just now, it was there right in the days of Apostle Paul, where he had to deal with the diversions of grace, okay, two extremes. The pendulum would swing uh, from the middle place of understanding the truth about grace. So what is grace? I'm going to try to just bring it out, bring out certain thoughts. Okay, this is not comprehensive because after this you may have, you know, questions about this situation and that situation. So there's going to be a lot of uh, gray areas which you need to get into the presence of God to, uh, to sort out, Okay. Uh, but I'm going to deal with some fundamentals. What is grace? Grace is primarily the nature of God. You know, when when most people think about God, we think about this perfect, uh, you know, being up there. Uh, probably equate him more to a school principal who's trying to keep all of us in order, who's trying to make sure all the classrooms are functioning right. And every student who is disobedient gets called to the principal's room for a, a knock, right? And is given a piece of the principal's mind. Okay, any principals out here? Are not meant to be offensive. I'm sure there are great principals out there as well. Uh, but generally, you know, the teacher's threat is, "I'm going to take you to the principal's room," right? So that is that is thought to be the highest form of threat for a young child. Many of us imagine God to be like that. When God described Himself in Exodus in chapter 34, verses 6, uh, He was standing with His best friend Moses and uh, Moses asks him God I want to see your glory and he tells him okay buddy come up to this mountain Uh, I'll make you hide in a cave so that when my glory passes before you you cannot see my face because no man can see my face and live but you will see just the, the the remnant the backside of my glory And Moses says, okay, good enough, you know, that's good enough for me, I'll do that. So Moses goes up into the cave, and it says, God caused his glory to pass before Moses and proclaimed. Now, what would you think if if I was God, and I was supposed to proclaim my glory, uh, you know, to my friend? I'd probably think about the greatest stuff I ever did, right? I'm the Lord God, creator of the heavens and the earth awesome in power. I speak and it happens. You know, I can blow you and your whole planet into, into ashes by just the word of your mouth, my mouth. Right? That, those would be some of the things you may think he should start with. This is how God describes himself. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abounding goodness and truth if God wanted to describe himself the first two words he used were merciful and gracious and if we don't understand this part of the nature of God we will get our whole relationship with him wrong because we will always be approaching him as someone we have to who is waiting with a rod to uh, make sure that we live right so for a start, God is a merciful and a gracious God. Grace starts because that's His nature. That is who He is. He is He is a gracious God, and He loves to show grace. Now the grace of God has uh, different facets. Just like you know, we know different. There are different facets of love. Love has to be tough sometimes, right? You, if you really love your children, you will be tough on them. You will discipline them. Grace has a lot of facets too. Now grace, the word for grace in the New Testament, is a word charis. And it is used in primarily two different usages. Okay? Number one, it is used as many of us are familiar, uh, as a word unmerited favor. Okay? Unmerited favor which means I don't deserve it. I did nothing to earn it but it is given to me free. Now, let me describe unmerited favor that will help you understand. When a person works an eight-hour day and receives a fair day's pay for his time, that is a wage, right? Salary. When a person competes with an opponent and receives a trophy for his performance, that is a prize. He worked for it and he won it. When a person receives appropriate recognition for his long service or high achievements, that is an award. But when a person is not capable of earning a wage, can win no prize and deserves no award, yet receives such a gift anyway, that is a good picture of God's unmerited favor. How's that? Isn't, isn't that just the, you know, the coolest thing that you, know, you can imagine? You did nothing. You can do nothing. You can never work hard enough. You can never be good enough. But he gives it to you undeserved, unmerited. And this is what we mean when we talk about the grace of God. So this is one aspect of grace. A lot of scriptures, if you look at Romans 3, Romans 4, Paul is trying to explain this concept to the church saying, undeserved favor. You can do nothing to earn it. You can do nothing to add to it. There is another kind, another usage of the word grace, which signifies not just this unmerited favor that we have from God, but also a power that comes to enable us to do some things. Where grace is used, say, in the context where Paul says, By the grace of God I am what I am, but I labor more, yet not I, but the grace that is within me. So this grace was a power that enabled Paul to work harder. And then when he was suffering with the thorn in the flesh, he said, the Lord tells him, my grace is sufficient for you. So it was a divine enabling. It is a power that comes upon you to take you through a particular situation that you cannot get through on your own strength. That's another aspect of grace. So we have two facets or two different descriptions of the word grace. One is undeserved favor. And the second is God's divine enablement. And these two are our, you know, our, our greatest treasures, our greatest uh, you know, tools to live life, to do the whole journey. We must, we must never be found without grace. So let me uh, go through some things. How does this grace operate? So if this is what grace is, how does it work? How do I access it? What makes it come and what makes it leave? Because there are, there are situations or places where God refuses to give grace. So He is gracious, He is merciful, but there are some ways in which His grace operates. So number one, primarily, foundationally, grace comes through Jesus. Though He is the Father is gracious and He is merciful, he is also a good and righteous judge. And a judge has to be just. Yes? So when we approach God as, just, as, as, his, as a judge, He has to give us a fair you know, judgment of everything we have done. So if I am going to approach God outside of Jesus, then I need to go to Him and say, God, give me everything I deserve. And we all know, all have sinned, And fallen short of the glory of God none of us would make it John 1 verses 14 to 17 talks about Jesus this way the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth verses 16 out of his fullness We have all received grace. He was full of grace and truth. Out of His fullness, we all receive grace. Outside of Him, we have no grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. The only, that's why He said, I am the door, I am the way the only way you can access the grace of god is through the person of jesus christ because god made you know the way of his salvation so free and so available that you know the the price was so heavy for grace to be released to us that it is it would be wrong for god to make any other way to access his grace because his son had to die on a cross for grace to reach us why would there be any other way any other facet of grace has to see god as completely just and a righteous judge so if you're trying to get to god you know any other way you, you will have to face god the way he is that's probably the principle in the school right just like the judge who has to take off his you know uh, robes where that he judges with when he goes back home to his kids He's not judge there, he's father there, right? And he's gracious there. And he's, you know, he has to be kind and father. The only way we are come into access to the fatherhood of God is through his son, Jesus, right? So, foundationally, grace is only through Christ Jesus. Now, grace doesn't mean that just because we are all in Jesus, all our sins are, you know, written off just like that. But the penalty of our sin was put on His Son. Amen. So that we could access this grace. Secondly, grace is accessed by faith and not by works. Right? You know, I just think God's, God's idea is so, so brilliant. Right? Because He knows, you know, none of us, none of us would be able to work enough for it. So He made it as simple as believe in the Lord Jesus And you will be saved. It was that easy to access grace. Grace is free, but it is not cheap. It is the most priceless thing we have. And yet God made the easiest, yet the hardest way for anyone to access grace, which is by faith. Let's see Romans 5 verses 2 says, Through whom? Which is through Christ Jesus. We have access by faith into the grace in which we stand. Amen? Amen. Through Jesus, we access, by faith, we get into the grace of God. So, you know, it is as simple as just that, you know, so simple that even a little child can hear the story of the gospel and say, I believe, and that child is instantly transported into a place where they can access the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, the divine enablement of God. Isn't that awesome? So, the only way you can access grace is through faith. Now, another thing is that nothing you do can add to grace. Your works can't add to the grace that you receive from the Lord. Let me, uh, you know, see, the grace of God makes us righteous, right? Righteousness, like we know, is me being right with God. And I think that is the the greatest cry of every human heart i want to be right with god i mean he's my creator he's you know somewhere out there or even a person who doesn't know him has like i want to be okay with with the big guy up there right i don't want to have i don't want to be in his bad books everybody's heart cry is to ha- be okay with god and in christ alone do we have access to that place called righteousness which means you are right with God. And this place of righteousness is only, only by grace. Now We would tend to think that, you know, I came to church, I drove all the way. Some of you I know coming from really far. Uh, and I've, you know, marked my Sunday service uh, off. I'm sure God's impressed with me. I wake up 4 a.m. and I pray and I'm interceding for the nations. I'm sure God's impressed with me. I'm sure all of those are going to get me through the pearly gates. You know, I have such a record of all the great things I've done. I've given so much and I've done so much and I have all the right things going on. But we need to know that grace, there's nothing you can add to grace to, for grace to work. And actually, you can work the other way around because Romans 4, 4 says, To him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. So if you're working to be righteous, then it's going to be counted as, okay, now then you start earning it. Then you work like all the way. You go, you do everything. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Is that, you know, beyond our minds to understand if you if you're working to add to righteousness your work either you go all the way on your work or you go all the way on grace Now let me say that it isn't that you must not come to church to mark the box or that you must not work at 4 wake up at 4 a.m to intercede for the nations but we, it is the it is the place of believing that all this adds to my righteousness I believe in Jesus, I took water baptism, I'm a nice Christian, all this is going to get me to heaven. Where we forget that grace and grace alone is what gets me till the end. Because of grace, I do all these things. Because His great grace has given me undeserved and unmerited favor, so I need to go to church and worship with the saints. So I need to wake up in the morning and I need to intercede and pray for the nations and Everything I do then is a response of my understanding of grace. But when we get it the other way around, we do what the word calls frustrating grace. Grace is trying to do something in me that only grace can do. When I try to add uh, one of the, uh, the stories that uh, you know, I, I read, was, it's like being invited to the White House. And and the President of the United States uh, plans this huge banquet for you. And you ate of it and, uh, you know, you enjoyed it. It's it's like beyond anything you can ever afford. And on your way out, uh, you tell him, you know, President, it was such a great meal. You must have spent a lot to give this for me. Here's a small gift to help you cover the budget. (laughs) Yeah? Is that an insult to the President or is that actually going to help him? You're insulting the president, yeah? By his, he'll be like, "What? You know? Uh, Do you even know who I am?" Right? When we add our works to His grace to be righteous, this is what we're doing. But actually, insulting grace at every point, uh, grace—the the righteousness of God—is by grace. Now, because grace makes me righteous, so I labor. Paul says, "I labor." More, by the grace of God, I am what I am. But I, I labor more abundantly. But not me, the grace that works in me. Amen? So understanding, so you know, because so many have such a poor understanding of grace, like I said, we swing from one extreme to the other. There's one group of people that will say, it's the, by the grace of God, so grace covers everything, so I can live what, however I want. It's called hyper-grace. That's not the scriptural grace that the Word of God talks about. And then there's another that says, you know, you start by grace, but after that you have to, you know, those were the Jews that came in and said, be circumcised and follow the law, follow this commandment, do this and do that. If you don't do this and that, God's going to be upset with you and God's going to hate you. These are the rules, these are the things you must do. You know, this many commandments. That's another extreme called legalism. The true grace of God in which we stand is the middle ground. It is knowing, it is grace and nothing but the grace that comes through faith in Christ Jesus that makes me righteous. Now because of this grace, I will labor. Because of this grace, I will serve. Because of this grace, I will love. An interesting, a funny quote by Mark Twain, the famous author. Heaven goes by favor. If it went by merit, you would stay out and your dog would go in. Yeah? That was Mark Twain, by the way, right? So, if, if you're trying to get to heaven by f- merit, you're, you know, either you go all the way and do everything and you know, go on your knees. See, we know the story of Martin Luther. He was on his knees walking on glass and doing penance to somehow impress God when he heard the voice of Scripture saying, The just shall live by faith. The Son of God is already sacrificed on the cross you can add nothing to it. You're walking on your knees on glasses. is filthy rags for me after the Son of God has already paid, has paid the penalty for your sin. What are you trying to add to it? You stand in grace. You stand saying, because of what He's done, He's clothed me with a robe of righteousness. Now I need to stay righteous. I need to walk in this righteousness. I need to live out this righteousness. So we don't want to swing from one extreme or to one extreme or the other. Romans 4.6 says, If it is by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, then it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So decide either one. What do you want to go by? If you want to go by one, you go by it all the way. From the start when we say, Jesus, I receive you as Lord and Savior, till our last... Till the very end, it has to be of grace. Now, grace is not to survive, but grace is to reign. Verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. See, if one man's sin, if Adam's sin was enough to put all of us under the yoke of slavery to sin, then the obedience of one Jesus is enough to break it. Amen. So we can't make Eden bigger than Calvary. What Adam did at Eden is not greater than what Jesus did for us. At Calvary, Paul says, if by one man's offense, death could reign over everybody, how much more those who receive abundance of grace, okay, not just little droplets, but abundance of grace and the gift, the free gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus Christ. I know some of our situations don't look like we are reigning in life. But there is a divine enablement that is Enabling us to walk through some of the most hardest times in life. And you look back and you wonder, I have no idea how I went through that. That's grace. But we want to plug into it through faith. Amen. We are not called to live on survival mode and somehow grovel our way into heaven. God wants us to live as sons and daughters of God. That, to access what He has done for us. We are called to... Reign in life. Power to be above our situations and our circumstances. Not to have them pull us down. Amen. So grace is not to survive. Grace is to reign. Now our response to grace. There are two ways we should not respond to grace. One is take it in vain. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 10. Paul says, By the grace of God I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not In vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So there is this place you can be where you receive grace, but it is in vain, which means you did nothing with it. You didn't work with grace to accomplish what God wanted you to. The word vain means without purpose and without result. Does God stop giving grace? No, because He is gracious. He will continue to pour out and lavish grace. But I can be one in whose life grace is in vain. So much grace, but no purpose, no result, no fruit unto God, no labor unto the Lord. There is nothing going back to God for the grace that He has given. And I think this is where the hyper-grace teaching takes us to. Oh, grace, grace, grace. I I have lots of grace. I can do whatever I want because God is gracious. I sin, He'll forgive me. You know, I, stay, I keep sinning, He'll forgive me again and again. So what do we do when we sin? The word says, sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under the law, you're under grace. But do we still sin? Yes, we do. When we do, what, what must be our response? We must come back to the place of, Lord, part of sin is broken, I cannot stay captive to this. I'm receiving your grace and we repent of our sin knowing that he is good and gracious and quick to forgive. Now if you're going to work on our what the enemy tells us is you fix this sin and then only will God accept you. And that is a lie. The enemy says you can't even don't even bother going to church because God is you know so upset after what you've done. How can a disciple or a believer you took, didn't you take baptism? And you're doing, is this how you're living, right? Those are the voices that the enemy tells you, especially young people. Know the truth. The truth will set you free. Yeah, the truth is that, yes, we, that even if we sin, we must be quick to get back and say, Jesus paid the penalty for this. I'm, if I'm going to work it out and get as good as I can before I go back to Him, I'm insulting the grace of God. So I repent, I say, Father, forgive me, Sorry, I shouldn't have been doing it. Lord, give me grace. Enable me. Help me. And I do whatever I need to do to overcome it. And there is grace released to help you at that time. It's not by our own strength. We depend on grace every time. So we don't have to keep going around in circles believing the lies of the enemy. So grace is in vain if you're not using it to walk in righteousness. If you're not using it to bring fruit unto the Lord, to labor for the Lord, to do what the Lord wants you to do. There's another thing that we we can do. It is frustrating grace. Galatians 2.21. Paul says, I do not frustrate the grace of God because if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. He was talking to the, the Judaizers who were coming to the Galatian church and telling them, get circumcised, follow the law, follow the commandments, do this, do that. You need all of this to perfect your salvation. Paul is saying, if you have to do all this, then Jesus died in vain. You're frustrating grace when you think all your works can add up to help what Jesus did on the cross. It can't. So if you're trying to make your works impress God, you're frustrating grace. You just release yourself to grace, receive His grace out of a heart of humility And in response to the great grace of God, you obey what he asks you to do. Don't frustrate the grace of God by, you know, adding all the rules and all the laws that you think in your mind are making you accepted before God. If any of you have any, you know, this subconscious list that these are things that I need to do for God to be pleased with me, deal with it right now. The only thing that makes us pleasing, acceptable to God is the work on the cross nothing else that none of the none of the uh, nothing else can add to it is he pleased when we live a life yes that that is pleasing to him yes but it comes only when it comes out of the understanding of his grace and comes out of his divine enablement we're living through his power not by our own you know spiritual energy that we're and god say oh so super you know this person is like you know, super awesome because they're praying eight hours a day, reading the Bible all the time. You think that impresses God? Doesn't. His word says, all your works are like filthy rags in my sight. So, there are two things that we can do. That is, one, take the grace of God in vain by not producing fruit and two, by frustrating it. That is, by adding so much to it that you think grace was not enough. I need to add something to it. Grace is complete. Grace is enough. Spurgeon, Uh, the famous preacher appropriately notes, when we put our foot upon the threshold of glory and pass through the gates of pearl to the golden pavement of the heavenly city, the last step that will be as much taken through the grace of God as was the first step when we turned to our great father in our rags and misery." The last step that you take when you reach there is going to be as much grace as the day you said, Jesus, you are Lord. Left by the grace of God for a single moment, we would perish. We are dependent as much upon grace for spiritual life as we are upon the air we breathe for this natural life. So don't think grace was just for me to start. And then it is my works that's going to take me there. From beginning to end, it is grace... And out of that grace, I labor and I serve. I cannot do anything apart from the grace of God. Only grace has the power to transform, which is why God is a gracious God. And it is actually the grace of God that has touched every one of our lives that we're sitting here. Because we realize that I received from Him something so much bigger than I could ever earn. And it transformed us. Every time we sinned and we went back into His presence, we still saw grace and we thought, okay, I can't keep doing this. He's such a good father. I need to change. Amen. Only grace can transform. Let me you know, take you through. I know many of you will be familiar with the story of John Newton. John Newton is the author of the famous song, Amazing Grace. There's a movie on it. If you haven't seen it, it's a must-see. A great movie. Uh, Not about Newton, but the story on newton he was a commander of a, a slave ship in the 1800s i guess so he would the, the slave ships would transport about 5 to 600 slaves packed like sardines in these ships and they were taking them they would the ships would come empty to africa uh, the slaves will be given by you know the wars that happened between the tribes in africa they'd take these slaves they'd sell them for you know, arms and liquor and stuff like that, and all these slaves get packed into the ships. Twenty percent of them would never make it into Europe. All kinds of diseases, you know, dysentery, smallpox, uh, epidem- epidemics would spread out among them. Twenty percent would just get thrown overboard because they would die. They were all chained in a way that they couldn't move for the whole journey. Uh, they were, they wouldn't, they. All of their you know, daily activities were all just done there, being changed. So you can imagine the, the grotesque conditions in which the slaves were taken. John Newton was the commander of one such ship. It was a book he found on board called Imitation of Christ, which sowed the seeds of his conversion. But later on, he, the, one of his ships was in a storm, and that's when Newton committed his life, said, God, if you will save me from this storm, I will give my life to you. And soon he realized, and God saved him miraculously, committed his life to God, and realized that he cannot continue his faith and be the commander of a slave ship together. So he soon resigned from that post and went to be a a shepherd, a pastor, at at some small towns in England. And it was in those years that he writes the song, Amazing Grace. At 82, the end of his life, Newton said, "My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things: that I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior." The end of his life, he had—he had—you know—he would struggle. He said he writes with memories of the, how he tormented the slaves, and all he could say at the end of his life is, you know. Not that, okay, I started by grace, and I'm doing okay now. I'm a good man. I'm, you know, 40 years, I'm preaching, I'm pastoring. He said, all I know is I'm a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. The story doesn't end there. Uh, Newton powerfully impacted the life of a young man called William Wilberforce, who was in politics at that time. Wilberforce experienced a conversion And wanted to, you know, leave politics and give his life and join Newton in, you know, preaching the gospel. And uh, Newton rebukes him and says, you go and do what God has called you to do. So unwillingly, Wilberforce goes back into politics, becomes an MP, fights over 20 years to abolish the slave trade. And it was Wilberforce's work that finally pushed the bill in Parliament. One man, John Newton, transformed by the power of the grace of God, You know, made our world a different place today. Every one of us impacted by grace amen, can do the same. There is a world outside that really needs the grace of God. There is a world outside that really is looking to see grace in action. You know, Jesus never used the word, even though Paul and the, the epistles use it over a hundred times. But Jesus displayed it and demonstrated it every single day with the, with the leper that no one would touch. And Jesus lays hands on him and says, you're healed. Or the woman, you know, the adulterous woman that was at his, at his feet, he showed grace. Grace alone transforms. The, the laws and telling people what to do and what not to do is not going to change your heart. What really changes people, even parents with your children, what is really going to change your, our kids is, is grace often. Yeah, I know we must discipline, we must punish. There are times that we just need to show grace. Because grace is what actually transforms our lives. Grace makes us humble and thankful. You know, once we encounter grace, we we can't lift ourselves in pride because we are always living, knowing that we are living by grace. So Christian, there is absolutely no room for pride in the Christian life if you are living in grace. If we constantly know that I stand by grace, then the work I have, the name I have, the, you know, the money, the wealth, the car, uh, all of that, we, we cannot glory in any of that if we know that I'm standing by grace. There's no, there's no room for pride. If you have allowed pride to come in and you're standing by your works and your righteousness and by the things you have and the things you've done, grace is pushed into a corner. And you're missing out on what God has done for you. But if we live under the waterfall of grace, and we realize all of these things, yes, God has blessed us. It's all His grace. I want to use it for Him. I want to use it to live out a life filled with grace. Grace should make us humble. Grace should also make us gracious to others who need grace. Because we're all going to come across so many people in our lives that need us to show grace. Let me read this really, uh, you know, it's it's like, it's described here, a gut-wrenching scene from a Korean film called Secret Sunshine. Okay? It says, this captures the scandal of grace better than any film I've ever seen, the writer is writing. The scene takes place in a prison where a lady goes to visit her son's murderer in prison. The the lady, Shin A, is a new convert to Christianity and wants to forgive him. Her friends tell her she doesn't have to see him face to face in order to forgive. But she insists. She wants to see him in person and wants to witness the look on his face when she offers him the gift of forgiveness. And yet when she sits down to confront the prisoner on the other side of the glass, Shin A finds him unexpectedly happy, peaceful and joyful. You look better than I expected, she tells him before explaining that the peace, love and the new life she found in God had prompted her to forgive him. She's so happy to feel God's love and grace that she wanted to spread his love by coming to visit her son's murderer. But then the shocker. The prisoner, the killer of her son has also come to faith in Christ. Since I came here, I accepted God in my heart. The Lord has reached out to this sinner, he says. Is that so, replied Shin A, crestfallen and shaken. It's good you have found God, she says very tentatively. The convicted murderer continues. Yes, I'm so grateful God reached out to a sinner like me. He made me kneel to repent my sins and God has absorbed me of them. And this is where Shin A begins to wilt. God has forgiven your sins, she mutters in disbelief. Yes, he replies, and I have found inner peace. My repentance and absolution have brought me peace. Now I start and end each day with prayer. I always pray for you, Miss Lee. And I'll pray for you until I die. This hits Shin A. hard. When she leaves the prison, she collapses. Overcome by the horror of an idea that she had not considered. That God could beat her to the punch in forgiving her son's killer. She wanted to be the first one to forgive him. But God beat her to it. Unfortunately, Shin A. can't accept the seeming injustice how can a law abiding good citizen like her and a convicted child killer be on the same level in terms of God's grace she can't take that and abandons God because of it God's grace for me is okay I like it I didn't deserve it, I got it there are so many other people that I expect payback from Did this or they did that. And I don't know how to show the same grace. I don't know if I really understood the power that it is only grace by which I stand. I will fear to ask for justice or judgment on my brother or anyone else. And I will leave that judgment to God. Does this mean we tolerate anything and everything? No. I'm talking about a hard attitude. I'm talking about the, the heart that demands, you know, like the servant in, that we see in the parable of Jesus, the servant who was forgiven the ten talents and went back and caught his friend who, who also owed him and says, pay back, and puts him in prison. And the master is so angry and says, take him, send him to the tormentors. I showed him grace, but he couldn't show the same grace to his brother. Who do we need to be gracious to? who do we need to look at and say yes I know they did this or I know that they violated or they crossed those boundaries or they you know, betrayed me or whatever and who are we asking God to judge and say you know, I want God to you know, I want to see them rotting in hell I want to be in heaven because of the grace of God but I'm good if they're in hell because I can't, re- I can't take my revenge, I'm sure God's going to take revenge on him someday or do we ask, Lord, a sinner like me and you have been merciful. We have the courage to say, Lord, I pray the same for this person and I absolve that person of anything that they have done to violate me because it is your grace by which I stand. And I have no right to demand that you you judge or you, you punish my brother. You know, the world needs to see grace in action. And may we be the church. May we... Not just us, the church, you know, all around the world together. The church of Jesus is the only place that can show grace because we are the only people who have experienced grace. The world has no idea of grace. But we who have come and experienced the, the free gift of the undeserved favor of God, we are the only ones who can actually show someone what grace is like. Grace and truth came by Jesus. Amen. We want to be a church. I believe... As we just rise up and we just pray. I believe God wants to remind some of us that you're standing in my grace, undeserved, unmerited favor. You can't do anything more to make me love you. You can't do anything more to make me accept you. It is my grace, and because you have come in the name of my Son, you are now worthy of my of my of my acceptance, you are now worthy of my good pleasure. You cannot add anything to it. As you stand before the Father's presence, just receive that. Just receive that. All of your works, whatever you may think you've, you've done good, just lay that down at His at His feet and say, God, there is nothing. There is nothing I can come before You with, but the price of the death of your son that is the only thing that makes me accepted, Lord, anything else that I put my trust in, Lord I laid down, consider it filthy rags, Lord I come only because you are gracious, and you are merciful, and you made a way because of the death of your son for me to come, if any of you here have not accessed this grace, have not known Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've not come under the waterfall that you see so many rejoicing and celebrating under. Maybe this is your time. The Father's calling you, come, there's enough grace. You don't have to live a life that is under bondage. You don't have to live a life of emptiness. You don't have to live have to live a life without peace. I have paid the price for whatever you have done, and if you will come into my presence today. Just as you are. I love you and I will accept you. If you come through faith in my son Jesus. there's any of you, even watching online, you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to come and access this amazing grace. I urge you, encourage you right now to just pray. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Abundant, amazing grace. If John Newton could find grace. Find enough grace to to live a life where he knew where he was going, where his eternity was. If Paul the Apostle, a murderer, destroyer of the faith, could find grace to become a preacher of the gospel, there is grace for every single one. If you are walking outside of the will of God today, come into the Father's presence. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Receive the grace of God. Receive the grace of God. And if there's any of us working so hard to impress God and we just can't lay that down, just receive His favor, undeserved favor, unmerited favor. You can do nothing to add to it. You're righteous by faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Any of us taking the grace of God in vain, Lord, I'm, I love your grace, but it's doing nothing in me. I'm bringing out no fruit, Lord. Just ask the Lord, Lord, let your grace upon me not be in vain, Lord. I want to give my life to just serve you, to do anything, Lord, everything I can to to give back, Lord, what you have. I can't even, Lord, we, we can never pay back for the grace you've given, but Lord, here's our life. Take it, Lord. Use it as a church. We surrender, Lord. As a church, we offer our lives to you, Father. As a church bought with your blood, Lord Jesus. Lord, standing under your grace, use us, Lord. Let your grace upon us not be in vain, Lord. Not be in vain. Let it not just, Lord, just just fall to the ground. So much grace. Amazing, abundant grace, Lord. Let it not be in vain. Let us bear fruit, Lord, for this grace. Let us not frustrate your grace, Lord, by trying to add to it. And Lord, I pray that you help us be gracious. Holy Spirit, if there are people that we need to be gracious to, right now I ask, Lord, that you will... Bring their faces into our minds. The Holy Spirit is reminding you people you need to be gracious to. You need to extend grace. Maybe it is to some of your parents. Maybe it is to some of your children. Maybe it is to, it is to your, your spouse that you need to extend grace to. Yes, they have made mistakes. Yes, they've done what they shouldn't have. Yes, there, is, there should not be forgiveness for them. But if you are standing by grace, can you pray for them? Can you say, Lord, as you have forgiven me and as I stand by grace, I ask grace upon them. I ask grace upon them. I ask, I pray marriages, Lord, to be reconciled, Lord, through grace. That marriages come together through grace. Through the grace of God. As we realize every one of us, every one of us is on the same plane. Lord, we just ask grace. Lord, some of us we want to just let go of the, of the pain, of hatred, of the the need for revenge. We let it go, Lord. We are your church. And help us as a church to show grace to the world outside. Oh, let them see us and see grace. Let them see us and see grace. Let's just sing that song. Amen. grace
0: How sweet The sound That Hey. That's all. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wsc.ines.